0: You go ahead and do what you feel right now. Just go ahead and lift your voice. Lift your hands. Hallelujah. Let's just reach out to him for a moment more, can we? Hallelujah, Jesus. We reach for you, Lord. We reach for you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Feel this sanctuary. Feel our minds, our hearts, our thoughts. Hallelujah. Praise God praise God. Well, it's an honor to be asked to be here tonight. I know I am filling in for the prophetess, Vanny Marshall, but I want you to know, I said that right, didn't I? Vanny, Vanny, we all know who she is. Amazing woman of God. I am sorry that she cannot be here, but I do believe that the Lord has given me a word for you to tonight, and maybe, maybe God doesn't do things by accident, and maybe this week there are some specific words you're going to hear that God would want specifically to say through unique individuals. It is an honor to be here with your pastor, Jonathan McClintock, who I count a dear friend, a wealth of revelation, and I'll just be honest, there's... More than one sermon I've stolen from him. <laughs> because he inspired me with a thought or a word. It's great to be with Apostle Gleason. And uh, I say that intentionally. Been such a mentor and a voice in my life. It's made me totally nervous about addressing you tonight because it doesn't matter how old you get, he just has that effect. So I'm going to do my best. It's great to be with Dr. O'Daniel. Davis Church, me, your dad, and me are the ones that qualified him to be a doctor. I just want you to know that. Brother O'Daniel put the word of God deep in my heart, gave me a love for the oneness of God that I will never get away from. It's one of my favorite subjects to talk about. In fact afterwards if you want to talk for hours just come start talking about the oneness of god that was put there that love was put there by brother O'Daniel, and i want to say thank you so much for your investment in me this is a completely different looking college than the one that we went to i was amazed at the level of maturity and the anointing that was flowing through every single individual and uh i thank god that some of us got through and ended up doing something for the kingdom. But I just sense that God's hand is on this generation. And I don't say that lightly. I, Brother Swade was up here talking about going into the land of promise. And I believe that this is the generation right here. Don't get me wrong. We've had heroes of the faith throughout all generations. But I believe that this generation is the one that's going to believe the report of the Lord. And this generation is the one that's going to lead us into the land of promise. I believe this generation, this is the sons and the daughters that are going to prophesy. These are the sons and daughters that are going to see visions. That are going to be strong and do exploits. Hallelujah. I, I can't go on further. I'm not going to take a long time. Any, I'm going to go right to the word after this, but I got to give honor to my boy Cesar. And uh, love him. I didn't see Tim. He better be working if he's not here. If, but I give honor to Tim Arnold, wherever he might be. Okay. Sanitha Clayton. Our St. Louis resident missionary, if you haven't went on a mission trip, make sure you see her before you leave. Amen. But I do want to say thank you to all you who have come. Now, how many is ready for the Word of God? I know that was a lot of little preliminaries. But I really do believe that I have a Word that has the power to turn this world upside down if you will just believe what I preach. Generations prior to yours have heard this Word. And they have wrestled with accepting it, embracing it, and receiving it. But I believe that if this generation will take hold of this report, we can see the miraculous like we've never seen and see the greatest revival that this world will ever witness. Is there any believers in the house? Matthew chapter 16. Thank you, Brother Nehemiah, for coming and rubbing your anointing all over me. I feel it right now. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some say you're Elias or Elijah. Others say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What I want to preach for a few moments this evening is the revelation that the church is built upon. I want you to help me right now. Will you lift up your voice one more time? Will you pray that God will speak to us tonight? As I deliver this word, Lord Jesus, I need your help. I pray, Lord, for your anointing now to rest upon me again. Let it be double, triple, unlimited, God. Take away every hindrance inside of me that would fetter what you're wanting to say. Or keep, God, from being accomplished what you want to do in this place. I pray, God, for every student that's in this room. I pray, God, for every individual that's gathered here tonight. That Your power, O Lord, would go forth in this Word and it would change and shape our hearts, our thinking, and ultimately, Lord, our future behavior, so that we can be the people that You've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. The scripture that I have used as my text tonight, it's a very familiar passage of scripture that we quote quite frequently and that we are quite familiar with, but I'm afraid that too often we are missing a significant component of this revelation. Jesus asked this question, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Simon would answer and say, you're not just the Son of a man. You are the Son of the living God. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You're the one that the prophets spoke about. The psalmists sang about. You're the child that was to be born. You're the son that was to be given. And that's why you're able to cast out devils. And that's why you heal the sick and you restore lepers and you raise the dead. And you can walk on water because you're not just the son of a man, you're the son of God. And Jesus would tell him, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. My Father which is in heaven, the Spirit revealed that to you. It showed that to you. And we all rejoice here tonight over the revelation of who Jesus is. And we should. And we we rejoice over the fact that we have a revelation of his name. And we should. And we know that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. But we fail to understand the second part of revelation found in this passage of Matthew 16 we get totally thou art the Christ but we fail to include in the found that in foundational rock of the church uh, that thou art Peter we know who Jesus is but we have trouble wrapping our minds around who we are and that's the reason That the gates of hell prevail against the church. Because too often we are only operating on the rock and revelation of his identity. But we have never set the stone in place concerning our own identity. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Jesus said, who do men say I, the son of man, am? And Peter said, you're more than just a man. You're the son of God. And Jesus said, right, and you are Peter. And upon this rock this rock of revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In order to understand the gravity of what is being communicated here we must realize that this uh, name change, this this uh, having his name changed from Simon to Peter, this is not the first mention. It is not Peter is not Simon's original name. It's not the name that he was given at birth by his parents. But, but Jesus said, you're not always going to be called Simon. There's going to be a conversion in you. There's going to be a change in you. And you're going to be named something else. I'm giving you a new name in the same way that I gave the old patriarch Jacob a new name. Remember, he was told by God, no more will you be called Jacob, but now as a prince, now as the son of the king, you will be called Israel, and you will have power with God, and you will have power with man. In like manner, Jesus would declare over Simon, no more shall you be called Simon, but your new name will be Peter. Again, this wasn't the first mention in the Bible concerning this change. In fact, it can be found in John chapter 1. Verse 40 says, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. John includes the word, the name Peter in, in his writing because he's writing after the fact. But he goes on with the account and he says, he first findeth his own brother, Simon. And he saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, but thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Cephas is the Aramaic equivalent of the Greek word Peter. And so Jesus said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. But when I get done with you, you shall be called Peter, which is by interpretation a stone. And then Jesus reminds Simon of this prophecy after he makes his public declaration in our text and declares him to be Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he would say, and I say unto you that thou art Peter. And upon this rock, this foundation, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I know I'm taking a little minute here to build a foundation, but it's necessary. For the revelation, if we are to receive it, this foundation that I'm talking about is consisting of the revelation of who Jesus is. And understanding who we are. The rocks of revelation, Jesus was saying, of my identity, but not just mine, but yours as well. That's what I'm going to build my church upon. Simon, Simon, says it twice. Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fails not. And when you are converted, Simon, you know who I am. But you're going to have to get a revelation between now and Pentecost of who you're going to be. So that the gates of hell won't prevail. There is a great significance in the apostles name change from Simon to Peter. The name obviously means stone, because that's what John tells us in that first chapter. But why is that so powerful, and why does that matter? It's powerful because Isaiah had called Jesus the coming Messiah, the child who was to be born, the son who was to be given, the anointed one. He called him a foundation stone. More specifically, he called him a cornerstone. Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. The psalmist would pick up his pen and write Psalms 118, and he would say, I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. In Mark 12, Jesus would speak a parable concerning himself about a certain man who had planted a vineyard, and the man said, his well-beloved son into that vineyard, and they took him, and they killed him, and cast him out, and he's obviously speaking concerning of himself and his crucifixion, but then he says, and have ye not heard or read the scripture, the stone which the builders rejected is become the head of the corner, this was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Simon is putting all these puzzle pieces of revelation together. Along the journey, along the way, and we know that it's impacting his understanding. Even years later, it continues to influence and inform his theology. Because we read in Acts 4, when he and John are called before the Sanhedrin Council because of the healing of the man at Gate Beautiful. They ask the question: By what power or by what name have you done this? And Peter would stand and say, Be it known unto you all and to the people of Israel that. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone. Which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner, and neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Start bringing this all together now. We've laid some. We've laid some scripture down. Now let's start making application. Simon declared Jesus to be the chief cornerstone in the foundation of the church. But there are other stones in a foundation other than just the cornerstone. The cornerstone concept is derived from the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. It's most important because all the other stones are going to be set in reference to this stone. Thus determining the position of the entire structure. But the foundation itself is made up of many stones. The cornerstone is the pattern for every other stone that is to be set in the foundation. So when Jesus told Simon, and thou art Peter, and upon this rock, upon this foundation, I will build my church, he was letting him know that he was going to convert him into the same thing as himself. I'm the pattern, I'm the chief cornerstone, but I'm going to make you into a replica of myself, and upon that revelation will I build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Come on, get this with me. Who do men say that I the son of
1: man am, Simon? You're not just the son of a man. You're the son of God. Right. And when I get done with you, you're going to be just like me. I'm going to convert you from being merely sons of men into sons of God.
0: That shouldn't be a new revelation to any of us was made clear to us from the very beginning in the Gospel of John, verse 12. It says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John would later write in his first epistle, Beloved, now we are the sons of God. Now we're the sons of God. We had a revelation that he was the son of God. But now we're the sons of God. How many know and believe that you don't join the church, you're born into it. And when you're born again, you become something completely different than what you were originally The Bible calls it regeneration, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. There is more to baptism than just getting wet. There's something supernatural. It's more than just identifying with a church. There's this regeneration thing that is attached to it. You become a member of a different order and you're given a New name. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you become a partaker of the divine nature and you are lifted up and elevated to a higher dimension and you are seated. That word seated is in reference to a throne. You are given a place of authority and dominion in heavenly places. Paul would write in Ephesians 1 verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. In other words, he's saying, I want you to get a revelation here that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that one which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. In other words, chapter 1 is Paul giving us a revelation of who Jesus is. But then he continues the second chapter by saying, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespass and sin. He says, Even when we were dead in sin, hath he quickened us together with Christ and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where's that at? That's far above all principality and power and might and dominion and above every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in the one that is to come. Through him, we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. First Peter 2, the apostle would call Jesus a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. But then he would continue on by saying, And ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Follow me, if you will, to John chapter 14. I'm getting close to the end of my Bible study portion of this. But we can't celebrate unless we have a reason to celebrate. <coughs> 14 and 1 says, let not your heart be troubled. How many how are many familiar with this passage of Scripture? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also." I always thought that was talking about heaven. How many thought that was talking about heaven? I go away to prepare a place for you. I've heard that text at a thousand funerals. I've preached it myself that way about a hundred times. But I got a revelation one day. I really believe it's a revelation. The eyes of my understanding were enlightened. And I suddenly realized that he's not talking about heaven in John 14. When he said, in my father's house, he's talking about himself. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? I believe that Jesus is talking about himself. He is the Father's house. For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. Jesus, I believe, is talking about his tabernacle. Himself, the house of the Father. And we've got to make sure that we don't get confused like the Jews of Jesus' day when he said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. And they started looking at a building and said, he's going to knock down the church? And then he's going to rebuild it back in three days? Because they did not understand that he was referring to himself. It's the only context that you can read John 14, 15, and 16 where everything makes sense. Please don't get nervous on me. I know I'm making some people a little bit antsy right now. You think I'm taking away heaven and I'm getting rid of golden streets. And The, the book of Revelation makes that very clear that heaven is still there. Paul said he got caught up into the third heaven and went to paradise. I'm not taking away the sweet by and by. It's too wonderful, Paul said, for me to even tell you about it. But that's not what John 14 is talking about. In my Father's house are many mansions. That word is properly rendered really room. I go to prepare a place for you. What's he going to prepare? He's already said, in my Father's house are many mansions. They're already there. Why do you have to leave to prepare something that's already in place? It's confusing until you understand that he's not talking about heaven. He's talking about himself. And when he says, I go away, he's talking about his crucifixion. He's talking about, I've got to go. But I'm going to go so that I can prepare a place for you
1: so that where I am. Not where I'm going to be, but where I am presently, where I
0: am right now, that you may be there. Also, where I, Simon, how is it that I turn water into wine? How is it that I'm able to walk on water, raise the dead, and cleanse lepers? How is it that I cast out devils, heal the sick, and take dominion over every disease? How is that possible? Because you're the Son of God. Right. And when I
1: get done with you, you're going to be just like me. Because I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you can be also.
0: The place he's talking about is the office of the sonship, seated or situated at the right hand of God's power, far above all principality and might and dominion. He's talking about a supernatural upgrade that turns mere sons of men into sons of God. It's in that same conversation that he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away because if I don't go away, the comforter won't come. The comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. But if I depart, I will send him unto you and he will abide with you. Forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, because he dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And to as many as received him, to them, get them gave he the power to become the sons of God. And those who were dead in their trespasses of sin, he quickened together with Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He hath prepared a place within himself for us that where he was, where he was, we could be Also. Do you understand what he's talking about? This is the revelation of the body of Christ. This is the mystery of the body of Christ. I'm the head, and you're the body. Anybody getting what I'm saying? Am I up here sweating for nothing? Listen. Verse twelve. Now, this can't be talking about heaven. Verse 12 He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do. Why? Because I go unto my Father. Because I go to prepare a place for you. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going and we don't know how to get there. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father. Also, and henceforth, you know him and you've seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and it'll satisfy us. Jesus said, have I been so long with you and yet you have not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. So how sayest then, show us the Father. Jesus is giving the disciples, the rest of them, a revelation of who he is. So that they can receive a revelation of who they are. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. He's not talking about when we get to heaven. He's talking about right here on the earth. Yet a little while, he said, and the world is going to see me no more. But you see me. Because I live,
1: you're gonna live also. At that day, you shall know that I am in my Father and ye in me, and I in
0: you. What day? He's is he talking about? He's talking about. And when the day
1: of Pentecost was fully come, and they were all in one place and one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven,
0: as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house. Where they were sitting,
1: it appeared like cloven tongues as fire. It sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues.
0: Woo! That was the day the comforter came. That was... The You know what that word, comfort, you know the Bible says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. You know what that word actually is? Fatherless. I will not leave you fatherless. I will come to you. And in that day, you will know that the Father's in me and that I'm in you. And you're in me. Okay. I'm trying, guys. I promise. Let me share with you what's happening behind the scenes, I believe up in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. <coughs> I think hell's phone was ringing off the hook. They're all down there still working off, a, working off a hangover from all their celebration from what had just happened 50 days early. And the phone rings down there. Hell's secret hotline, how may we terrorize you? And the nervous little voice on the other end said, this is the principality of Jerusalem. We got a problem. Problem? What's the problem? You know that you know that guy named Jesus? Oh yeah, you mean the Son of the Most High God? Yeah, you mean the one we crucified? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. The one that was causing all the trouble. The one that was casting out all of us devils. And yeah, yeah, I know. We crucified him on Golgotha. The voice on the other end said, "Yeah, that's what I thought too. I thought we murdered him, but we multiplied him."
1: Fifty days ago, there was only one son of God to worry about. But now there's 120 in the street, and they're multiplying like rabbits.
0: You don't believe me? Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2 and 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, uh, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into
1: the heart of man the things that God has prepared. For us. For what God hath prepared for us, but he has revealed it through his spirit.
0: Hey, Sunita, so watch the clock for me. Wow. Think about that. I always thought that was talking about heaven, too. I have not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered my heart what God has prepared. He's not talking about mansions. He's not talking about something we're going to get later. He's talking about right
1: now. You have no idea what God has prepared. You have no idea the power that God has prepared for you to walk in. You have no idea the authority that God has prepared for
0: you to walk in. on, who's going to believe the report of the Lord? <coughs> through whom is the arm of the Lord going to be revealed? <laughs> now, we're the sons of God. Oh, It doesn't yet appear what we're going to be. I mean, we ain't glorified yet. But whatever he was on the earth <laughs> before he went through the tomb and rose again, whatever he that's what we are. You remember what he did? That's what we're going to do. And greater works than these are we going to do. Why? Because now we're the sons of God. We're the body of Christ. He's the head. And we are his body. And God is still wanting to manifest Himself through flesh. I'm not preaching that we're all just a bunch of gods. I'm preaching it's the mighty God in Christ and it's Christ in you. I am in the Father and ye in me and I in you and now we are the sons of God. And it's time that we start praying prayers like we're sons of God. And we all start preaching
1: like we're sons of God. We ought to start facing resistance like we're sons of God. We ought to confront disease like we're sons of God I know you know who Jesus is but do you have any idea who you are because it's up on that rock uh, he's going to build his church uh, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it
0: Ever since you're Pentecost, you're no longer mere sons and daughters of men. Not anymore. Now we're the children of God. And when hell comes and gets in your face, and it will, and says just who in the world do you think you are, you look him in the eye, you square your shoulders and say, Satan, it is written, I'm the son of the living God. And then take it a step farther and say, and whatever we bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. And whatever we loose, on earth is going to be loosed in heaven. Come on, we have whole worship services designed to celebrate who he is, and we shout that revelation to the ceiling. But I wonder if you can hear what
1: heaven is shouting back to you, and thou art Peter, thou art the anointed ones. Come on, thou art the anointed ones. Thou art the Christ in the earth. Thou art my body. That's not blasphemy, that's revelation.
0: And until the church gets out of its identity crisis, the gates of hell will continue to prevail prevail, and Satan will sift us as wheat. But when you get it settled in your heart, in your spirit, and in your mind, when you get a hold of the report and say, you know what, uh, we're not going to sit out here walking around in a wilderness
1: anymore. We believe the report of the Lord. We believe who the word says that we are. I'm
0: not going to sit here and doubt myself Word says, "Greater works than these shall we do." Come on, somebody, does that get anybody charged up? Does that get anybody excited? (laughs) Sit down for just a second. Sneither, raise your hand when I reach the uh, ten-minute point from here. Jesus is introduced to the world as the Messiah by John the messenger, John the Baptist. Remember, he's out baptizing people in the Jordan River, and Jesus comes, steps into the water. And as he steps into the water, John says, what in the world? I can't baptize you. you got to baptize me. Jesus said, no, 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 you don't understand it, John. You've got to baptize me because, see, I'm the pattern. Everything that comes after me has got to. <laughs> I'm setting the alignment for everything. And so John Being obedient, he puts him down under the water and brings him up. And when he does, there is a voice that shouts from the heavens. Behold
1: my son!
0: In whom I am well pleased. Well, it's an exciting event. But that event is quite significant. When you understand that the Bible says that immediately when he dried off from the baptismal tank, he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted to the devil. And as soon as he gets into the wilderness of temptation, the devil comes to him with this question or this statement. If you really be the son of God. The voice from heaven had already shouted it, that I'm the son of God. Yeah, but if you really be the son of God. Whoa. (laughs) Like a dog on a leash. If you really be the son of God. He begins to battle with the word. Satan, it is written. Satan, it is written. Yeah, but if you really be the son of God. You see, I know he's, I know he's God in flesh. He's all God, but he's also all man. And the enemy knew that if he could get him to question his identity, he would render his ministry and his purpose impotent. So he seeks to put a question in his mind about who he is. The Bible says that Jesus went into the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost. But he came out in the power of the Holy Ghost. And I think that the revelation of why he came out in the power of the Holy Ghost was because his first stop out of the wilderness is a little church in Nazareth. And he goes over at the church and he pulls out the book of Isaiah, the scroll, and he opens it up. Let me read to you what he read. He read, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book and gave it back to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And then he began to say unto them, This day that scripture is fulfilled in your ears. What he was saying was the one Isaiah was writing about was me. He would be so adamant that he would tell the Pharisees and the scribes and the doctors of the law, go search your scriptures.
1: They all testify of me.
0: So he goes into the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost, but he comes out in the power of the Holy Ghost. And I think the reason for that is because he got a revelation of who he was. And those same devils that said, if you really be the son of God, now they're saying, Jesus, son of the most
1: high God, don't torment us before our time.
0: Let me tell you why the devil's always in your head and the devil's always resisting you is because you've given him space to make you doubt, and he can always put you into that identity crisis where you're always second-guessing who you are, and you're always trying to figure out if you really got what the Bible says you got, if you can really do what those preachers say you can do. Listen, if you'll just get a hold of the report of the Lord and say, you know what? I believe we are more than able. we got too many people full of the Holy Ghost but just not walking in the power of the Spirit. we got too many people that God brought out but they don't have enough confidence to go in. And we've been tricked into wandering around in a wilderness uh, in an identity crisis like the children of Israel who said there are giants over there and we're only grasshoppers in their sight and in our own sight as well. I've come to preach to this generation. We've come past this mountain
1: long enough. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's time to cross over into the land of promise. It's time to drive out the enemy that has denied us our inheritance. And these signs shall follow them That believe in my name, they're going to cast out devils. They're going to speak with new tongues. They're going to take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. They're going to lay hands on the sick, and they will recover.
0: Come to the music. Listen, it's Christ in us. And if Christ said it was all written about me, and if Christ is in you, then everything that was written about Christ pertains to you. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then we're heirs. We are heirs of God. We are joint heirs with Christ. Here's what I wish, Nehemiah. Here's what I want, buddy. I want your generation to be the one that stands up with confidence and and says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. He has sent me. Quit waiting on somebody else. Quit looking for some other superhero to come flying in here with a cape and a sermon. Come on, I'm talking to you.
1: The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath anointed me. I'm the anointed one, I'm the Christ of this world greater is he that is in me I need you to get it because upon this rock is what he said he was going to build his church upon and upon this rock the church would be built and the gates of hell would not be able to prevail against it But I've got to convince you that you are who the Bible says you are. I've got to convince you that you are who Jesus says you are. Let no man despise your youth. Don't let anybody
0: intimidate you. Quit. Quit listening to that lie that keeps going over like a broken record in your mind that tells you that you can't be anything for God. My goodness, you got everything in you to be great for God.
1: It's what's in you. Now we're the sons of God. Me, you.
0: Oh, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Now we are the sons of God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath anointed me to tread on serpents and scorpions. He has given me power over
1: all the enemy. These signs shall follow me in his name. I will cast out devils. I will speak with new tongues. I will take up serpents. If I drink any deadly thing, it's not going to hurt me. I will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I will be strong and do exploits. I will prophesy. I will liberate. I will sing. to this last verse. Listen to this last verse.
0: The whole creation groaneth and
1: travaileth in pain together. They are waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God
0: time for us to walk out of this wilderness that you put yourself in come on we've walked in it we've
1: we went through the routine long enough we've had enough we've had enough programs we've had enough get-togethers we've had enough choir trips and corral tours come on it's time for the sons of God to manifest themselves I didn't come just to sing you a song I came to demonstrate the power of the Holy Ghost. I came to set the addict free. I came to liberate and heal the bruised. I came, I came to minister to the broken. And when the enemy or anybody else for that matter says, Who do you think you are? You stand up and say, I am the son of the living God. I am the son of God. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on. Come on, start acting like sons of God. Start praying for one another like you're the sons of God. Come on, start praying with authority. Greater works, greater works are you going to do because He made you into what He wants. On, that's it. Let virtue flow through the body. Let power flow through this body.